Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Support for Warriors Huddle comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Bram, MTNI, all sport well-maintained beards, so you know we're no stranger to the occasional facial hair trim. Now I'm only guessing, but I've got to figure... And neither of you are sporting wizard's beards below the belt. Again, every time you make this guess, man, it, it upsets me. Don't worry <laughs> about the wizard beard thing. Just I mean, just go ahead and keep going. This is a great product. Focus on the product. No comment. <laughs> Maybe if you're all rocking like Rogaine or something, you know, beards can grow quick these days. It's just like ball Rogaine? Again, no, that's not happening. <laughs> so then here's the deal, guys. You know by now my mom used to be a nurse. One day when I was oh, about 10 or 11. Okay, I know where this is going. Let me go ahead and stop. <laughs> this story, while really compelling, has given me nightmares for like three weeks, man. I mean, legitimately three weeks. Let's just say that terrible things can happen if you bring inappropriately sharp tools below the belt. So let's go ahead and avoid that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is a good point. I mean, and I realized when I was reading this ad last time that when I say that's why Manscaped developed the electric trimmer, that's why Manscaped developed the electric trimmer. <laughs> I mean, if they were also aware of your balls cutting story, then thank God they're on the scene. But again, I don't want to think about that. Let's just move on as fast as we can. So their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. So do yourselves a favor and pick up the lawnmower 2.0 to get a precision engineered tool for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WARRIORS at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code WARRIORS. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual. My producer, Marcus. And what's up, Dev Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Boys, no guest today. It is a three-man booth. It's been a while since we've uh, had an opportunity to do that, which means a little bit of pressure. I mean, I'm going to need you guys to be like crazy, funny, insightful. <laughs> I mean, just like dropping the kind of knowledge our guests normally do. And I'm, I'm hoping that makes you a little bit nervous. I mean, where, where are you guys standing? I'm, I mean, after hearing about the lawnmower, I'm, I think it's all uphill from here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We didn't get to hear that sweet story. So yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm unmoored. Are you going to spend the rest of this time trying to tell a story about somebody cutting off his balls? Because if you are, let's just get it out of the way now. Man. Go ahead and say it. I'm not going to have like this ball thing being a specter over the entire show. So did you want to say it now or are you that's, okay? That's all right. That's all right. It'll come up in conversation. Yeah, yeah fair <laughs> enough. Hopefully it won't, but I guess we'll find out together. 
Uh, boys, let's talk Warriors, not balls, strangely enough. And we have actually made it beyond the quarter point of the season. The Warriors have now played 25 games. That's about 30% of the regular season. Feel free to check my math. I literally used a calculator to figure that out. <laughs> Which means we're finally in a position to drop quarter season grades. This is not rocket science. The idea is going to be remarkably simple. I'm going to give you guys a name from Dub Nation. You're going to give me a grade. We'll use the standard A through F. The only rule you should be aware of is I don't want to hear incompletes all the time, right? It's early. I understand that, you know, so I'll let you use one. If you've got an incomplete, you can drop it. But once you've used it once, we can't use it for any other player. Make sense? Yeah. Did you say we're a third of the way through the season? So we're giving quarter grades? 30%. 30 30%. 30%. Yeah, I mean, I can call it. 30% 30% grades, but that doesn't really have the same, you know, way to roll right off your tongue. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What, you don't enjoy it, or? It was just, wanted to make sure you are doing your math correctly. I mean, I'm doing my math no! right from the beginning. I'm dropping you a boo, man. I told you I need you to be insightful, not grading. It is what it is. Uh, the first name I want to throw by you boys is Steve Kerr. What do you got? Give me a grade. I go first. Um, I'm giving him a B plus. I think on face value, you look and you just see the record of the team and you think he's not doing a good job. And Steve Kerr, he's not a good coach because he doesn't have four or five all-stars on the floor at all times. But I think with this roster being as injured as it is and the players that he does have on the floor and the fact that there hasn't been a complete mutiny yet, uh, suggests that he is still a really, really good players coach and that he's doing something right inside the locker room to keep this group together and keep them fighting hard and playing hard even when they're completely outmatched most nights. So um, I think he's doing a great job. Their record could be a little bit better. I think he admitted there's some nights where he was outcoached or outcoached himself. So that's why I know A, but um, solid B. I think it's a matter of what job he's being asked to do, right? Yeah. So, like, if what we're looking at is if what he was tasked to do is get as many wins as he possibly could and make the playoffs, well, shit, man, you know, it's not an A. It's yeah. probably not even a C. We're looking at like a D, D minus or something. But that's not his job. The second that Steph got hurt, the goals for this team and this franchise and Steve Kerr specifically all flipped. Mm-hmm. You know, now what he's being asked to do is develop young guys in a system that's not made for them, in a system that is made for Curry because they know he's coming back. And during that, while compiling the most losses he has ever seen at any point in his entire life, making sure that everyone was rosy and happy about it and kind of stayed above the I hate this season line, right? And from what we can tell from the outside looking in, he's not only doing that, he's doing it phenomenally well. Don't take it from me. Here's Draymond on that exact point, responding, in fact, to a question from our new boy, Wes. How has Steve kept the team motivated through this challenging season and sort of kept that message fresh? Uh, you know, it always just trying different ways, you know, whether it's, you know, a game within the game, uh, you know, um, I think he's been doing a great job of, you know, staying positive and, and being encouraging, uh, you know, so many times. You know, Steve, as a coach, he's never been through this. You know, he's only one, you know, so uh, this is different for him as well. But I think he's handling really well. Um, you know, understand the circumstances and with such a young team and continue to live, continuing to lift guys up. So, uh, look, am I going to give him an A? No. The team has the worst uh, record in the league, so it's not like he's speeding towards a Coach of the Year nomination. But I also don't think that we can really take that many shots at him because everything's flipped. So, solid B for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give him an A, but I do want to give him an A-. minus. I have been pretty impressed, even over this first quarter or 30% or whatever you want to call it of the season, the team has looked better over the course of those games. Uh, I, I think it's a huge task to ask a coach to come in after seasons of excellent basketball with the top players in the league um, to then have to both deal with some of those players and their new expectations around what it means to be on this team and have a bunch of rookies in at the same time. He's juggling a ton and I've been super impressed with how he's handled it. The reason that it's not an A for me is that he had some disparaging comments earlier in the season that for me as a fan made me feel a little bit uncomfortable and less motivated to support this team than I feel like I should be and, and what I'm back to now. Just that one take, right? The one where he said, look, you know, we got our asses kicked and we should get used to this kind of thing. I don't remember yeah, the exact yes, quote, but it was exactly. something along the lines that set up expect disappointment as we go forward. The young guys on a night like 
tonight, which is going to happen again. I mean, this is not, you know, not a one-off. It's, this, is the, this is the reality. There's going to be nights like this this year. So you've got to play through it, and you've got to keep fighting and keep getting better, and that's, that's the plan. Right, and, and, and so as I'm thinking, look, I mean, he, there's a reason that he's the coach and none of us are as we sit here and lambast him for whatever. I think it's important to remember that he probably had a reason for doing that. I think the reason was he, he looked at the roster, looked at how many games were left, understood how this season was going to transpire, and wanted the fans to be looking at the goal set that we just established, right? Because when he dropped that, that's when we were still all kind of playing around with, is this a playoff team? What's going to happen? And what I imagine is he watched them play long enough 30 to 40 seconds was like they are not I need you guys to shift this immediately so I mean he could have handled it better but I feel him on that um, in fact I mean just keeping it personal if this was me every time I gave a press conference I would start by reading the roster just just in case you guys forgot <laughs> just in case here's the dudes you guys heard of Kai Bowman neither had I and then like no here's what we were able to accomplish I mean all of this with it all of these grades are going to be given with the understanding of what this year is, right? I mean, like yeah. that, it's a training camp. I know we've overused the term, but that's what's up. We're not the only people giving grades, by the way. I reached out both on Twitter and on Patreon to see if we could get some responses from some of the listeners. And in this instance, our boy Matt A. from Patreon was nice enough to reach out with a grade on Steve Kerr. Here's what he said, quote, Kerr gets an A- minus because this team has clearly gotten better. Like, I thought we were going to lose every game by 25-plus. Now I think there will be at least one game where we can catch a Western Conference final elite team and win, uh, win convincingly, like result not in doubt the final five minutes. That take comes again, courtesy from our Patreon boy, Matt A. Nicely done. Uh, as just an aside, and I don't know what the hell is making me think of this, but... The grading system itself always entertains me because I went to UC Santa Cruz at a time when they were giving um, what they called narrative evals. So my first two years there, they didn't actually give us A through Fs. The idea was like they'd give you a paragraph that described how you were you were doing and you'd get way more information out of it. But really all it was was just a paragraph of bullshit. I, I got like, I don't know, like an aardvark in algebra. Like I had no idea what the hell they were talking about. And when I applied to graduate schools, Every single one of them wrote me back saying, what the hell is this? Like, dude, what's your GPA? We don't care what your TA thought in a paragraph about your ability to write about sociology. Just give me a goddamn grade. But I digress. I think the thing that's exciting about that is you know because we're giving out letter grades right now, GMs are listening to this and are absolutely going to use these okay, grades when evaluating yeah, the yeah, agency. No, that makes perfect sense. I do know that a lot of GMs listen to the show, so you are I think I would add, too, one more thing for Curly. Like he recently came out and said if he had chosen the Knicks job mm. instead of the Warriors job, he probably would have been fired like Fisdale just got fired, sure. right. which is you know crazy to think. And then you look at his situation and how he is as a coach. Would we not have been able to see his skill set you know, come to be if he would have had that Knicks roster? I mean, he basically has a Knicks roster now. And, you know, the leash is a little bit longer than it, than it is at Madison Square Garden. So it's, it's just trippy to think, like, we may not have ever gotten mm. to see Steve Kerr, the coach, if he would have went to Knicks, and he'd probably be out of a job already. If I'm going out of my way to compliment Kerr, which I kind of am, let's take the other side of that. Imagine who or what would have happened had Stan Van Gundy come here. Because yeah. that's what they wanted. That yeah. was the first move. And had that happened, I don't think any of these championships would have transpired. I don't think we ever would have seen KD here. We would not have had the dynasty that took place over the last five years so you know say what you want about whether or not all of this goes into Kerr's you know, pocket as far as credit of course not he had amazing players but without him this thing probably does not happen right. in fact they were desperate to trade clay this whole thing was going to fall apart until he came in and he and Jerry West both said do not do that uh let's move on D'Angelo Russell is the grade I want I'll go first here this is where I'm using my incomplete um so look I I, I bet, and like a lot of Warrior fans, in being somewhat disappointed in what Russell has done so far. Um, every time he checks into the game, I get all excited to watch him play. You know, I finally get to kind of see this new component and what he can do. And then three minutes in, I'm kind of checking my watch, and I'm no longer engaged, and I'm not that impressed. So it's not like he's blown me away. But the Warriors haven't given him a role yet, which is why I'm saying incomplete. When he first started, he was going to be Steph's sidekick. But then Steph got hurt. Then he was going to be our main offensive source. But then he got hurt. Mm. Now they're reintroducing him, and he's trying to figure out who he should be. 
So after, you know, let's, let's hope that he remains healthy and he gets an opportunity to show us what he can do. Well, then I'll drop a grade. But as of right now, it's not fair to him. You know, he's still in that trying way too hard period that happens until you play enough games where you get comfortable. Yeah. I was going to use my incomplete on him as well, but I think I'll switch it up and I'm going to give him a C plus. And I think part of the reason why it's a lower grade is so you're telling me there's a chance. he's coming into a situation where um, he knew what the system was. He knew that motion offense and ball movement was what made that team successful. And that was the, the system he was walking into. And he's a screen and roll player, but he's a professional. He's good enough and talented enough that he should be able to change his game enough to be around that. And there's that, you know, question I think you were talking about with Rusty is, does the coach and the teams switch their system to be, you know, to match their best player or does the best player switch to match what the team is doing? And I think there's just so much success around what the Spurs have done for two decades straight, how the Patriots have been successful. It's the the process and the system, you know, you plug the players into that and that's what makes you successful, not the other way around. So I just think he could do a little bit better job of fitting into this system more instead of, you know, like requiring and playing as if he needs that screener to come and play a screen and roll type of offensive player role to be more motion oriented and to see if that works because he hasn't really tried and he hasn't had enough games. So it's a little harsh to give him a C plus with the small sample size, but the times that he is playing, like you see him miss these floaters and do all these things. And it's so frustrating. You just like, just try something else. Like this isn't working. So try something else. I think that's absolutely fair. You know, it's funny. I was going to say the same thing of like, Oh, I was going to give him, uh, an incomplete, but actually I'm going to give him a C plus. And now what I'm going to do is say I was going to give him a C plus, but now I'm going to give him an, an incomplete because you've convinced me that um, I know that's a little bit circuitous, but look, I mean he's he's Ooh, 23. Fancy right? word. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, you can grade that later if you want. I'm looking it up, grading it. Who knows? <laughs> he he's only 23, which is I think younger than maybe like half the rookies in this rookie class. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? So so give the dude a chance, especially become because he's come from a system where he was playing a lot of ISO ball in Brooklyn and on from a very dysfunctional team in the Lakers where he started his um, his his professional career. So I think he needs time to learn these new skills. Everything that I've read about him is that he is trying to be a sponge and, and has been for the past couple of years. And so I think he deserves an opportunity to remake a game that he's never had to change before before I give him a grade. That story that Wes dropped for us last week about him showing up to the Draymond Jersey retirement ceremony and basically um, shadowing him everywhere he went spoke to me. Um, I mean, what it sounds like is all the things we haven't been able to see on the floor are happening off the floor, that he is bought all the way in, that he would like to be a part of this franchise long-term and is willing to give it the effort that that means. So, you know, good things. I mean, there, there's reasons to be optimistic, but mm, time will tell. Uh, and I still, I keep teasing this, we won't do it now. Um, but this year began with subtle rumors that there may be a D'Angelo for Andrew Wiggins swap because he was gonna go to Minnesota before the trade. Um, that seemed entirely ridiculous then. Not something I had any interest in as a Warrior fan. Now that Andrew Wiggins has kind of resurrected his career and is no longer just a bucket, can actually do some of the supporting stats, I'm interested. He's got my attention. But like I said, we won't jump down the Wiggins rabbit hole just so soon. Instead, let's get a fan grade. My boy Jeff Kung, also from Patreon. Shout out to the Patreon supporters. We love you <laughs> to death. Great takes. Says this about D'Angelo Russell. Quote, D'Lo has been so inconsistent, but honestly, I'd love to see him play with Steph, Clay, and Draymond, mostly because he seems to be all in as a GSW teammate. If he could help keep defenses honest, help spread the floor, seems like those tiny shooting windows would help set up for Steph and Clay, but currently, I'd give him a C minus. Uh, that was like one of those rope dopes, Jeff. I thought for sure we're going to be looking over a B. You dropped a C minus on his ass, which yeah, I think he's a professor at UC Santa Cruz. Oh, yeah, it's possible, but it actually involved a grade. Oh, no. It would have said, but currently I'd give him a dolphin plus if that was a Santa Cruz grade. So we didn't get all the way there. Um, let's talk about Azubuke. So we, we touched him a little bit early on, right, uh, in a previous podcast, but I do want to actually give him a grade. Um, for me, 
I'm going to give him a C plus. Here's why. So I really liked Azubuke before. The pregame stuff, he was phenomenal. And he seemed built for this role. And I don't that hasn't changed. I still think he's going to be great. But two things really hold me back. One of which isn't his fault. He's not Barnett. You know, and last time I checked, he didn't decide to not be Jim Barnett. He didn't have any choices in whether or not he was going to be Jim Barnett. So that just is what it is. That's nostalgia, me missing my old girlfriend, right? You know, the, it's a relationship that I had um, stuck in my head. But the second... Right now, and I understand why he's doing it, and I think I would do it too, but every single game seems like he's just spending his time sucking up to Fitzgerald. What he wants to do is solidify his role there, right? And like that's all good. Like I said, I, I understand it, but I've built up such a resentment and pseudo-hatred for Fitzgerald that watching someone I previously had a bunch of respect for do everything he can to gain that dude's approval is starting to push me in the wrong way. Um, so hopefully that'll shift. Right now it's limiting him to about, like I said, a C+. Plus. Yeah. Um, I give him a slightly higher grade, just a half grade higher. I go B-. minus. Um, the thing that I mean, I think he's doing well for his first season. Um, you know, you didn't see, you know, when people have their rookie seasons across the board, they're getting their sea legs. You know, like we talked earlier, Roz Gold on Wude, when her first season, she wasn't that great. I remember feeling like, uh, I don't know if this sure. is for you. And yeah. then in the following seasons, I was like, she's killing it and right. she deserves well, it. Fitz is so, in year 45 and he's still terrible. <laughs> so, you know, I think he gets some leeway there. But what kind of I, I still am missing is, there is a, a juxtaposition between um, Fitz, you know, and Barnett, and I think that's missing. The way that Azubuki looks at the game and analyzes it, to your point, it's so close to where, the way Fitz does it that you don't have a difference of opinion. Like, I would much rather have somebody in there who's, he can even be not as homerish and just give some real honest takes and be different so that the conversation, the commentary has a little more um, breath to it. Right now, it just feels a little too narrow. You mean Barnett? I mean, that, that's what Barnett yeah. used to do because he didn't he had enough confidence where he didn't have to cater to Fitz. In fact, that power dynamic often went the other direction. Yeah. When Barnett was still on the podcast, Fitz would suck it to him by talking about his playing days. Yeah. You know, the man of a thousand finishes. Or I remember when you used to do that in your playing career. So yeah, that, that dynamic is missing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, with all of that said, I totally agree with you, uh, Marcus. That uh, like, I think he's like he's doing a really good job for his first year, uh, and I think by and large, it's a testament to that fact that he reminds us so much of Barnett. Um, I've been pretty impressed with with his consistency. I mean, like, yeah, he's definitely sucking up to Fitz in a way that drives me completely nuts. And quite frankly, sometimes I'm muting the games because I just don't want to hear it anymore. But still, like. Dude is really smart. He's pretty quick on his feet, and I think he deserves to get some time to see where this goes. We need him to reject Fitz one time like Matumbo. And really, I'm just saying that so that I could play this. Not today. And this. Um, Not in my house. Forgive me. I, look, we don't have a guest, so I'm going off rails a little bit. And I know we're talking about something we talked about before the mics went hot. But I have an amazing idea. If I come up with an app that's a GPS locator, but it uses Matembo's voice, would you guys buy it immediately? Don't even have to answer. Of course you would. It would be incredible. I don't know why we don't use this fool's voice for everything. If I could do any kind of an impersonation, every podcast we did from here on out would be done in Matumbo voice. And it would be fantastic. I'm so happy you don't know how to build an app. <laughs> You'd buy it. Don't you, don't you lie to me. Um, let's get our fan grade on Azubuke again. Comes courtesy of our boys from Patreon. In this instance, Noah, our Patreon supporter, who says this about Kalina, quote, I think we're all torn regarding Buki. On one hand, I think we all like him and that he was great doing pre and post game. But the color commentator Buki just is someone who always agrees with Fitz and panders to him. Here's a line I really like. It's sad and infuriating to hear all at once. Nicely handled, Noah. We support you. The next grade we need to drop, boys, is on the Chase crowd uh, or the Chase Center's crowd. Wait, Noah didn't give a grade? He just went, that was Santa Cruz style. <laughs> It was. It was. In fact, we will call him Professor Noah. <laughs> Professor Noah. Nicely handled. I'm going to assume from that, I think he's agreeing with us. That sounds about a C-ish, you know, yeah. like a 77, 78 type of grade. Or an aardvark. One uh, or, the other. or an aardvark. <laughs> well, yeah, or he may have just gotten to the aardvark level. Um, chase center crowds. So 
Years and years and years ago, I went to a hockey game. I'm not a big hockey fan. People have always told me that hockey is great in person, better than on TV. I've never really watched it on TV. And I enjoyed the game enough. I mean, that was true. But I also wasn't the best of fans. You know, like I understood what was supposed to be happening. I, I, I played hockey video games on Genesis. Like I knew that we cheered when somebody got hit or when they fought or when they scored. But all the nuances of the game, I wasn't really sure of. Like people would clap and I had no idea why. And I had no idea really how to support them when they weren't playing well. You know, I could react. I, I understood that when the, when the puck was in the net, I was supposed to stand up. But if I needed to be proactive, I had no idea how to do it. I didn't know enough about the sport. That's Chase Center. They're a C for me, maybe C plus. They want to help. They're, they're, it's, not, it's not like these guys are too wealthy to not care about the success of the game. They are there to watch success. But at least from my, my standpoint, they don't know enough about the game to be proactive, right? Not the way that Oracle Crowd used to be. So when the Warriors are playing well, something we haven't seen a whole lot of this year, they're fine. You know, they can give us gen innovation. Anybody can give us gen innovation. But when the team needs a push from an educated crowd, right now, Chase Center is not that educated crowd. My flip, you know, there, there's a lot of things that, uh, that could change. But now, that's what I got to give them. Fair enough. I mean, I, I haven't been to a game myself, so I'm only watching from the TV, and the big thing that stands out for me is when the game comes back on after halftime, ain't nobody in the stands. Yeah, they are empty. And that is rough to see. Um, so, you know, for me, C-. minus. C-, minus, nice. Um, I have been to a hockey game, and I was the same way. When I first went, I was just kind of coerced into going, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this. I'm not a big fan. And literally halfway through the first period I'm banging on the glass no. having the time of my life hockey <laughs> is, games are so fun is that why you're dressed as a hockey player today? exactly uh, yeah it's really weird <laughs> no it's a, it it's it's worth going to and experiencing if you're a fan of sports um it's a unique environment for sure and I was lucky enough to go to a Chicago Blackhawks game when they were good and it's 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 worth it. Um, but this is Hockey Podcast <laughs> with Marcus and Bram. Thank you so much for joining us. I thought it was an analogy, not an invitation to talk about hockey games. We could talk about some hockey. No, um, I do not want to talk about hockey. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, so for Chase Center, I'll give it a B minus. I think the... Great pause. Yeah. Well, I, I recently went to a game, and it was the first one, and everything you said is accurate. Like, when you get there, you can just tell the fandom is different the level of fandom and knowledge of the sport as a fan is different from oracle to chase it's just different and that comes with the price the ticket of you know the price of the ticket and you know other factors but what what's it's hard to give it a grade and i might even go incomplete on this because you don't know the team that you're watching is not the team that that stadium was built for yep. you know so when those fans see players that are worth cheering I mean I was watching the game and I remember it being on there and my girlfriend was like who are all these players you know and I was like that's what a casual fan always asks justifiably you know and it's like I even had a hard time pumping myself up to cheer for a Kai Bowman three from the corner you know and it was so you know the casual fans and the fans who can afford those tickets are going to be in the same boat so I'm gonna reverse it instead of be minus I'm gonna go incomplete until we get Steph Clay everybody back healthy for a season and we can actually see how those fans respond to the team that will be on the court. Got a super random idea. Um, so we talked about this last week. We set up this idea. If you were Lake up, you could charge anything the hell you wanted right after you have built Chase Center. What would you charge, right? Would you, would you make the tickets so high that you lose a casual fan but make a lot of money or vice versa? Um, and here's an idea that we don't have to discuss, but uh, I at least wanted to throw out there. So he called it the Cathedral 2 basketball. That's why he built Chase Center. But it is also host to, what, thousands of other events. In fact, that's why they're making billions of dollars on this thing. So what I would have done had I been Lake Up is I would have announced it as the Cathedral of Basketball. I would have announced all the prices for the concerts, for the plays, for everything that comes out there. And then I would have announced, but for hoop games, it's less. And I would have I would have explained why this is a cathedral to basketball. It's not a concert cathedral. You'll pay for those. It's not a Disney on Ice cathedral. You'll pay for those too. But we wanted this to be the greatest possible home court advantage for any team ever. And what that requires is a fan who can't pay eight hundred dollars a ticket. I'd give him I'd give him a B minus. Um, and this is one where I gotta say we're grading on a curve here. It's almost like these different players are taking different classes. Hmm. Um, 
Draymond's not a rookie. And he talked a lot about coming into this season wanting to be the veteran presence for these young guys um, like people were to him when he came into the league. And I think there's been mixed success in that. I feel like sometimes he has been awesome and has been dapping people up as they come off the court after three, whatever. It's been awesome. Other times, I feel like he's been um, as much of a downer as Kerr's quote was about we sucked ass. So um, mixed, B minus. I'm going strong A. I think the fact that he has only been ejected from one game, <laughs> he in the in the game I went to, there was this a bad call and he runs up to the ref into his face and I'm like, "Oh, here we go." And I can't see what he says to the ref. I'm at the vantage point where I can only see the ref and he runs up on him and says something and the ref just busts out into an uncontrollable laughter. <laughs> and then Draymond turns around, you can see him laughing. And I was like, "Oh, wow." Like completely different sure. Draymond. He's accepted that this season is a wash. He needs to be the mentor, and I think he's embraced that role really well. He gets frustrated because he's a competitor, but it hasn't translated to him really turning into old Draymond. So I think, you know, like, kudos to him for being able to control his emotions and his competitive fire to be like, I'm just going to let this, you know, simmer for a year. But I think he will get ejected a lot more next season when, you know, like they're fire in games. Comes back. Yeah, exactly, yeah. all of that. So um, just hats off to him. I think he deserves an A for it. I'll combine your guys' responses. Um, so I'll also grade on a curve, but I'm not going to grade him versus the other players on the team and where they are in their careers. I'm going to grade him versus who I believe Draymond to be. You know, so entering this year, especially after Steph went down, I thought we were going to have like 150 texts, dude. <laughs> like I thought like every game would feature a Draymond punching somebody in the dick, you know, or like something. Even, who even knows? fellow Warriors. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, why not make it entertaining? I thought he was going to try to get thrown off the court so he didn't have to play with these guys or fake injuries. We made the analogy to the the wire detectives and the guy who hurt himself on purpose or at least thought that he might. That's not what we've seen at all. Now, have there been effort lapses? Sure. And understandable. He's used to playing for championships. Now he's playing for a lottery pick. But generally speaking, he has funneled this fire seemingly into making these young guys good without allowing it to splash all over the rest of the team, which is the exact kind of thing that could undermine what Kerr was trying to do. If you had real Draymond in there screaming constantly about how awful this was, you're not going to see smiles from anybody. You know, I mean, really not from anybody. So A minus, um, A minus, B plus, I'll, I'll stick with the A minus. And this comes from Matt A, our Patreon supporter, quote, Draymond has been a bit up and down. He gets a B minus for that. I don't, or I know we don't want him putting miles on his legs, but I would like to see him being more of a coach the nights he's not going hard. Which leads me to our last player, boys. Willie Colley Stein, WCS. I'll go first. D minus, man. Um, I want to go like F minus, but I know that that's ridiculous and I won't go that far. He's. He's not Todd Fuller. I've seen people way worse in Warriors jerseys. So, like, we can't really get there. But he seems like a dude who's playing basketball because he's tall. Not like a dude who's playing basketball because he enjoys the sport of basketball. I bet you he drove coaches crazy throughout his career. I mean, every time I'm like, oh, he's starting to try, he does something that immediately underlines, no, he's not. He doesn't really care. I can't tell you how many times I think I've seen, because I'm not in his head, the the scenario play out where he and an opposing player are about equal distances from a ball, and he has an unmistakable look on his face like, ah, I'm going to go ahead and not go for that. You know, and it's just like, oh, I can't see that anymore. Watching another guard out-rebound him is frustrating. So, you know, not too high for me on the old WCS. Yeah, I'm going to go D as well. Um, uh, the piece that Connor wrote about him, I think, you know, it, it makes it hard because he sounds like a really good dude. So, you know, like just critiquing him as a basketball player, not as a human being. But it's so frustrating. It's like, it feels like he doesn't even realize that this is his contract year. You know, like you left the Kings on purpose in a, in a place, leaving a franchise that, you know, is arguably maybe dysfunctional here, you know, whatever your take is on it. But, you know, you came to a team that needed you to play and for your career and for your future contracts in order for you to make a living and, you know, like retire healthily. And you're just not playing very well. Like you're not playing hard. You're not playing well. You know, like every time from the jump ball that he loses every time to, you know, like just random hustle plays, like you said, like it just doesn't seem like he cares enough. And 
this team, the only way we're going to win is if we care more than the other team that night. I feel like if you took a super cut, like a bunch of replays of Kai Bowman and Willie Colley-Stein, and none of them involved the ball. Don't, don't show them shooting, dribbling, nothing. Just what they're doing when the ball is not directly involving them. We would see such a difference in involvement and effort and what it meant to them. And that's what you're saying, man. Yeah. It's like, look, maybe the ball doesn't fall. Maybe you're not getting the rebounds you wanted. Maybe this isn't the year that you were hoping to have. But if what you're doing is resurrecting your career and using this as the landing place to do it, then that supercut should show you trying your best balls off because yeah. that's what Bowman's doing and it would not and you know that's a problem yeah that's a really really interesting take I would love to spend some time just getting cuts of them without the ball I think that would be super cool because I totally agree I mean he's been um boring to watch but I want to give him an incomplete and here's why I was excited when he was um signed this summer because dude is super fast yep. um and we were all very excited to see how he would play with Steph Right. Everybody was saying, okay, the important part is that when the when the floor is spaced out super well from all these three point shooters, um, he's gonna have a field day. We haven't seen that at all. Yep. And the times when we have a little bit when D'Angelo came back from injury have been decent. I thought that's been the best that he's looked. So I wanna see more of him quicker in transition. I wanna see more of that stuff before I really get to give him an actual grade. Here's a really weird take. I'm going to liken him to the Chase Center crowd that I just uh, described in our previous one. I think he came in here expecting that this was going to be a playoff, maybe championship-seeking team. Mm-hmm. And I thought that he was – he probably thought he was going to have an opportunity up on a pedestal to show the world what his skill set was. And after the first week, he realized, no, 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 this is worse than Sacto. You know what I mean? Like, literally, they're going to have, they're going to have less wins. And – instead of doing things proactively to change his own position in the team's position, he has kind of sunk back into, well, who gives a shit? <laughs> like, whatever. Loon's coming back soon. I'll probably do something else at some other point. And that's what, it's just this malaise, it, this I don't really care is the thing that I'm constantly hearing, you know, screamed when I watch him play. Um, final questions. Most uh, pleasant surprise of the year. I'm sure we all have the same one, but Pascal? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, um, and we'll we'll dig into him on a future pod. And then let's talk about the other side to that coin. Most disappointing player so far this year. I'll go first. Jordan Poole. I keep wanting to believe in him. I don't. I know he just got sent down to the G League. I know that he has had a bunch of social media things saying, all you cowchuggers, which is me, just wait. The shot will start to fall, but I can't wait any longer. I've gotten so frustrated. I've gotten to the portion where I hate his eyebrows. I hate that he's surprised that he's missing shots. I don't understand how he's surprised that he's missing shots. There is a better chance that the microphone I'm speaking into will make its next shot more so than Jordan Poole making his next shot. So most disappointing, dude. And I'm sure that I will be proven wrong and I can't wait for that to be the case. Yeah, I hope we're proven wrong too because that's my same answer. It's just... He came in, he was drafted, you know, in a place, in a position where a lot of people said it's a reach to draft him that high. And, you know, like the Warriors are rightfully so standing by him and saying, no, we're going to send him down to the G League. We're going to, you know, help him get his confidence back. But the, the, the thing that I see that's worrisome is that his shots aren't contested and they aren't just rattling in and out. They are just off. They're like, they're they're not close. And I don't know if the extra distance from college to professional three pointers is the issue, but they are not. They're they're missed shots. They're not like oh he's just in a slump. Like that's not shooting your way out of the slump. Those are like this guy isn't the same shooter that you thought he was. Type of misses. So, Do you remember this is way back? Do you remember Kobe's rookie year? Um, and he they made it to the uh, to the playoffs. And at the end of the final elimination or elimination game for the Lakers, it went to Kobe three times, and he shot three air balls. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Kobe then turned around everything, right? But what screamed out of those moments was those moments at that time were too big for Kobe, and he just wasn't ready to take those shots. And ultimately, he was, but he just wasn't ready. Every one of the regular season shots that Jordan Poole is taking feels like they're too big for him. Like he's not <laughs> ready for this moment. And we're talking about games that have no stakes, like zero, zero, zero stakes. Now, if I'm going to continue a poor analogy, Kobe figured it out. Maybe Jordan will, too. Maybe he'll become really comfortable in pointless regular season games. But there is an element of that. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously Jordan Poole for me, too. Um, But so rather than belabor the point, uh, that reminded me, I didn't realize this. You guys know what year Kobe was drafted into the NBA? Do you remember? No. 
1996, which is the year that D'Angelo Russell was born. Isn't that insane? That makes me feel hell of old. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> okay, but second thing, I know you didn't want to talk about Pascal too much, but there's one thing that I realized as I was as I was paying attention to some of his stats this morning that I think is pretty remarkable. You guys already know that he's pretty awesome on the offensive end. He's already had like I think seven, twenty or more points games, yeah. which is amazing. He's also the third best rebounder among the rookie class, huh. which I think is insane. Just as an all-around player, this dude is an absolute win. So yes, maybe we might have swung and missed in our first round draft pick, but we got an absolute winner yeah. in the second round. Is he rookie of the year? I think John Morant will be. I think, I mean, based on stats alone, yes. I'm also as biased as I can possibly be. But if you look at the way that the league is covering him and ESPN, John Morant, yeah. it's, it screams that the, this decision has already been made and all he has to do is stay healthy. You probably have to win a little bit more for for Pas- yeah. Pascal to get it right. I don't know. I mean, maybe the <laughs> nine or ten games that they're able to pull out by the end of the year will be exactly what but I mean, to Maxime's point, he's leading the rookie class in so many categories and top three in, you know, just about every one of them, if not leading it. It's just, I don't know. I mean, he's he's definitely in the conversation. No question. No, if, sure. if, if there wasn't an agenda behind it, I yeah. think it wouldn't be conversation. I think you'd be your friend runner. Yeah. Um, but I do think that they're is an agenda which leads to our final segment. Look around the league. Got anything for us? I do. So first up, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves have a player, Culver. He came from Texas Tech. Uh, Culver has a brother, J.J. Culver, who just scored 100 points. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. 100 points. The player level? on his team, NAIA, so lower class college. Um the player on his team who had the second most field goal attempts was two for two. <laughs> yeah. So he was balling, but he only got to shoot twice. Um, but leads to a question like, who do you think would score 100 points first in a game, Steph or Clay? So we could talk about that. Um, second story. Uh, it was just reported that uh, D'Angelo Russell was being courted by the Minnesota Timberwolves in the offseason. Uh, the owner, Glenn Taylor, sent a helicopter for him. D'Lo gets in the helicopter, does the whole ride, gets wined and dying, goes back to the you know, final pitch for all of it. And during the middle of that part of the pitch, it's reported that D'Angelo Russell has come to an agreement to sign with the Warriors. <laughs> so they, the report says that it was super awkward. The buy was awkward. It was just like crazy. So it makes you wonder, as we start to talk about Trades with Minnesota, and we know D'Lo and uh, Carl Towns and D. Booker are all friends, and they want to play together. If we do explore a trade, you know, with Minnesota, would Minnesota even be open to it anymore? The way he handled that. So I wonder if that's even an option anymore. Um, so third and final story: um, calling game. So recently, we had a few um, games around the league where a player makes a shot at the end of it. Um, it's a phrase. If you say you call game, it means the shot you just hit means the game is over. Um, Russell Westbrook did it. He called game against Sacramento Kings with one second to go. And, you know, they come and hit a three and they win. Uh, Trey Young recently did it uh, against the Miami Heat. He called game with six seconds to go. Miami Heat forced overtime and went on a 22-0 run and told Trey to shut up. So, um, <laughs> question we could talk about, you know, is calling the game something that we should do? And on the current roster of Warriors, who would you believe it if they called game? I am remarkably so. For those new to the show, look around the league. It's pretty simple, as you've just seen. Marcus tracks down three stories from around the league, and then we vote on which one of the ones we want to talk about. Um, JJ Culver speaks to me because I happen to know that Marcus played on a high school basketball team that gave up 82 points to an opponent. So Winters we could really, Patterson. Yeah, we could really Rest dig in. Rest in peace, in, but man, that dude was good. Into that. Um, I wasn't guarding him either. I don't believe that at all. The game thing, I think, is funny just because I like being uh, or watching people get busted out. But the D'Angelo story really speaks to me because I got a lot of follow-up questions on it. So my vote would be D'Angelo. What do you guys got? Yeah, I, I agree, but I do because there's a lot. These are some nice picks, MT. I'm impressed all around nice. the board. I feel like there's a there's a big um, yeah, there you go. Give a little applause too. Nice. Um, uh, with Harden getting pulled at the end of the third after going for 60, 
um, and the potential to have an 80-point game. I think the league is ripe right now for somebody to make some history, and so it's pretty interesting that you're starting to see it in the lower college levels as well. Yeah. Um, the game is definitely changing. But but all that to say, yeah, there was also a really great piece that Anthony Slater wrote with some really in-depth interviews with D'Angelo that I think came out today um, where he briefly asked him about that, and D'Angelo essentially refused to comment. Um, but it sounded like there was some awkward goodbyes because he got a helicopter ride back after the pitch, and uh, so they were all sitting oh, in silence. If I was in Minnesota, that fool would be on coach. <laughs> like, good news, dude. You're on the C list on Southwest. Coach, I hope you don't have any uh, Uber pool. Exactly right. <laughs> hope you don't have any baggage. Um, well, let's do D'Angelo. And uh, I've already distilled it into a few questions I'd like to hear your guys' opinions on. First, you're D'Angelo. Would you do that? You already have a deal, right? You've, you've worked it out. You've got a deal. But Minnesota's still kind of on the hook. You figure they're going to throw the wine and dine thing at you. So would you show up and hope they wouldn't find out? I'll go first. Hell yes. <laughs> oh my God, yes. I When they picked me up, I would have been dressed like their mascot. <laughs> like a bunch of wolves gear. Like I can't wait to do this. And thank God you guys are probably my first option. I know I shouldn't be saying that. Like all the way in, ordering hella stuff on the uh, on the helicopter, asking if they have like a Sky Mall thing on there, ordering hella stuff from the Sky Mall thing. You know, I would have been, absolutely. Bottom line is absolutely. Would you and, guys do it? and send it to my house in the Bay Area. Is yeah. that weird? It's weird. It's weird. I actually have a home now. It's called Chase Center. Don't worry about that. You know? Attention, D Lo. Don't worry. I'd about like this Sky Mall inflatable dartboard sent to the Chase Center, please. Um, yeah, I would still do it too. I mean, I, I don't know to what extent that verbal agreement was that he would join the Warriors. I don't think he would do it. I think he would immediately be like, dude, I can't. No. I feel bad. I mean, it depends on that is the factor. So assuming that he wasn't completely all in, I still would do it because you're getting courted. How many times in your career do you get a chance to go get wine? Assuming he was completely all in. The ink is not only on the contract, it is dry. He is like, he knows for sure. So in this instance, you know for sure you're going to be playing in Golden State. Would you take the meeting? No. Uh Yeah, no, no, no. If the ink is dry, I'm not taking the meeting either. No, because here's the thing. is There is a chance that he gets traded to the T-Wolves. And if that happens, he's got a lot of bad blood in that organization, especially if the ink is dry. But I think the reporting is that it was just a verbal. And if it's just a verbal, I'm for sure taking that meeting. Because if I can convince them to give me even more money, then like, that's a win. And this dude already has the baggage of the whole Nick Young fiasco with the Lakers. Like, So I think you know, if I'm him at that point, I just you have to play it straight lace. You, that's that's the only thing that you should have off the court for your whole career. I've got the foresight of an eight year old, and if they <laughs> landed a helicopter in front of me, it's like let's go. I'm not thinking about Nick Young. I'm not thinking about like what other teams might be thinking when I might be traded to them. I'm thinking about that Sky Mall, and I'm thinking about the helicopter. And you're on the phone. You say Bob Myers. I got to call you back. That's exactly right. <laughs> Wrong number. I'll call you later. I'll call you later. Tell uh, Joe it's definitely a yes. Question number two. You've done it. You've ridden in the helicopter. You've shopped at Sky Mall. You're good. To go you're sitting in there making eye-to-eye contact with glenn taylor and everybody's phone rings you look down and now the news is out you're signing with golden state so like you've been busted out right what do you do <laughs> what do you do you apologize you know like I, I think i might like awkwardly ask where the bathroom is and never come back in the room like i don't like what can you possibly say no this happened in the helicopter <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right yeah. so in the helicopter then if the news comes out how would you handle it um, yeah, maybe it didn't happen in a helicopter. Um, no, I think it did. Did? Oh. Yeah, I think so. Whenever it happened. At some point, you are now in <sighs> bust out city. Everybody knows that you're an asshole. What do you, do you apologize? Do you just wear it? Do you come up with some ridiculous excuse? Like, I'm not sure if they were going to take my deal. It turns out that they did, you know, like add some color to it. How do you get out of that scenario? I think you just got to just take it. You just say, I've been talking to him. I didn't know my agent closed it. Sorry. Add a little lie. I wish you'd called me first. Yeah, wish that so Asian weird. had run it by me. I mean, yeah. you just got to say, this is awkward. <laughs> what else do you do in yeah. that situation? You're still good for that juicer, though, right? That thing's still coming? <laughs> I have a question to your question. Does the FAA require parachutes in the helicopter? <laughs> I love the idea of everyone looking at their phone and then they hear the noise of the helicopter door opening. <laughs> I'll just get out of here. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Warriors forever. Still consider me as a trade, though. And that Nick Young thing was bullshit. <laughs> you got all of 
that out on the jump. That's it's a long jump. It looks a long way down. They probably didn't hear all of it. But you know, I got a, a parachute. It's kind of slow, calm uh, descent. Um, final question: If you're Minnesota, right? So like. Up until now, we've been the person in the seat of power as far as this power dynamic is concerned. You get to leave and you kind of look like the good guy. Now you're Minnesota. You've thrown money, you've thrown everything at this guy, and you now realize you were the butt of the joke. You know, this was all ridiculous. What do you do then? You have to stay professional. Absolutely, because the players talk. And his best friend is your franchise cornerstone player. So you have to play it cool. You have to Sam Presti the shit out of that moment and just be like, <laughs> We really liked D'Angelo. He always has an open spot here. We even saved him a locker, you know, and when he's ready to come back here and then when the cameras go off, then you talk a bunch of shit about him. But other than that, you have to play a professional because the players talk. The players have too much power now and they all can dictate where they go once those contracts end. So, so this response wouldn't be super good. <laughs> yeah. I think that if I was the person I'd like to be, of course you're right. Uh, you thank them for coming. You thank them for their time. You say, of course, that makes sense to me. Best of luck. I hope this all works out. If I'm the person I know myself to be, go f*** yourself a thousand times. Why did you get on the helicopter? Why did you take that, that SkyMall thing? Why have you ordered any of this? Why are we still talking now? <laughs> you know, how could any of this have transpired? And I would have been remarkably inappropriate, but hopefully the first, the first personality, the professional one, shines through. So this was in L.A., where they picked him up and we dropped him off. I say, you drop him off in the desert. <laughs> You're like, you split the difference. You give him like the greatest, like, oh, thank you so much. We completely understand. Also, we're going to be stopping by somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> you need to step out of the helicopter for this picture quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to fuel up here. I don't see any, no follow-up questions. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> drop him off in the desert. <laughs> Well, huge fun, you guys. True every week, certainly true this week. Shout out this week goes to our Patreon supporters. You heard, obviously, from the grading section how much we appreciate their takes, and we would love to uh, increase the size of that family if you would like to be the type of person who can support us not only with your time but some of your money. I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Since our big call to arms a couple weeks ago, I can say kind of embarrassingly, we've only had one extra Patreon supporter. <laughs> and really, honestly, thank you guys, the people who are helping. But if you're out there and you've listened to this for longer than even five minutes and you have 30 extra cents, you do not know how much it'll help us out. And if you'd like to throw it our direction, hop up on patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, look up Warriors Huddle, and you can really make a difference in our lives for as little as a dollar a month. With that in mind, go Warriors, and hopefully, see you next week. Good, good. I mean, I'm not just sitting here f***ing staring off into the goddamn distance. <laughs> I thought you were getting mentally ready to be like, <laughs> no. And when I looked at this boy, he goes like this. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, like we're all, we're all f***ing ready. I like that I would say record and then got into the mental space necessary. What could I tell you to record I was just waiting for you. You were in the way. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.